Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on His side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to, we've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back for another week of the podcast, talking, of course, about the corona and looking at our situation as a country as things continue to progress. I'm going to do my very best today to not put any sort of spin on anything and just present you with some cold, hard numbers and let you make determinations and and just, just present facts to you today. Because um, there is a lot, of, a lot of fear-mongering, I think, going on, but there is also a lot of dismissiveness going on. And I don't know where the balance is, but I know there has to be one. And I think that while we are, while we are prepared and while we acknowledge the um, problems with the, the situation as it is unfolding, we also have to look at the long-term effects of, of what is happening on our economy and unemployment. So we're going to go over some numbers. We're going to talk through some of these things. And then we're going to talk about... Uh, the hope that we have and why why I'm encouraged even though I've I've never been more um, concerned I would say about the whole coronavirus thing and I'll explain that to you as well here uh, shortly and you might say well obviously because it's continuing to spread no that's not that's not why I'm concerned because we knew it was going to spread we knew the curve was coming I, that's not that's not the thing so just uh, just bear with me and I will get it uh, for you if you are looking for the best way, by far, in my opinion, to get factual data on the numbers of coronavirus, where coronavirus is happening, how it's spreading, John Hopkins University has a map that gives you, you can look at the, the epicenters, you can see how cases are spread out across the country, you can see where the hot spots are. It breaks down the total deaths of coronavirus worldwide. And then once it comes to the United States and some others as well, but it gives you specific uh, regions of the United States where the death toll uh, is highest. So, um, for example, there in, in New York, 978 is not assigned to a city. F- over 1,500 in New York City alone. Um, New York is just getting hammered right now. And, and, and remember that um, when you are engaging with the national media, because m- the majority of national media, the loudest voices in the national media, are based out of New York. And so when these people are presenting gloom and doom, the fact of the matter is, you know, they're, they're not just <laughs> biased journalists. They are living in this, okay? I, they know people, probably some very close friends who are dealing with this. They are living in the epicenter in the United States. So when you're, when you're consuming news media, remember that it's coming from the place where this is the worst. So I, I, I don't think they're trying to fearmonger as much as that they are fear in, in living in fear and they are living in a place where this is really, really bad here in the U.S. So 
just just bear that in mind. Let's give some grace uh, to people in the media as as they are dealing with all this, just like the rest of us. Except unlike most of us, they probably have a friend or or multiple friends who are dealing with this right now and who have maybe even passed away. So just just bear that in mind um, as you as you look at this. But anyway, John Hopkins has an incredible map. It is. Uh, it, it will give you the the number of total confirmed cases. It has the total number of deaths. It lists how many people have recovered. So we've seen worldwide uh, over a million confirmed cases of coronavirus. We have seen about fifty six thousand deaths worldwide, and about two hundred twenty two thousand people recovered from this uh, worldwide. In the U.S., over nine thousand people thus far have recovered. <coughs> Excuse me from the coronavirus. Don't worry. That was not a corona cough. That was a, I just ate a granola bar and have the remains stuck in my throat cough. That happens to me a lot. I don't know about you guys. Anything that's peanuts or peanut related, I'm not allergic to them. They just always get stuck in my throat. And I just had a peanut butter, peanut granola bar. Peanut butter is like my favorite thing. Also, when the coronavirus is not here, that's my other favorite thing. So this map gives you a, a really, a really good look and... The the recoveries to death toll is four to one recoveries worldwide. Higher numbers for the recovery versus uh, death toll, much higher in the U.S. As for the whole, the U.S. has more cases than anybody else. Again, as we discussed last week, that remains true. We are also testing more than anyone else, testing more effectively. And we also have a lot more people than, say, Spain or Italy. So it just makes sense that we would have more And then they're like, well, but China got everything under control and they did a great job. If only we were more like China. No, the there is a uh, classified report to the White House was presented by the U.S. intelligence community. It is a secret report. So how do I know about it? Great question. Bloomberg.com has the leak of this report. And they say that the report shows that China has lied repeatedly over and over again, that their numbers are 100% inaccurate when it comes to the coronavirus. According to the report, the outbreak began in China's Hubei province in late 2019, and while the country has only reported about 82,000 cases and 3,300 deaths, where the U.S. has reported many, many more than that, the... uh, the intelligence community is saying that that is completely incorrect and that not only did China lie about their numbers but they had the virus quite a bit before they let anyone in the rest of the world know about it so in essence if you think about it 10 million Americans, and counting, have lost their jobs in two weeks because of China. Now, ultimately, yes, God is in control, and yes, there are things that we as a country should do to better prepare for things like this. But what it boils down to is that the Chinese communist government lied to the rest of the world for potentially months on end and allowed this thing to spread because of it. The good news is, 
that again, your chances of recovering from this disease are very, very high. In fact, I believe it's still in the 97 or 98 percentile of people won't even know that they get this disease. I know for a fact, 100% sure, that I was exposed to the virus. We took, my brother and I both, we took the necessary precautions, we followed the government guidelines for, for quarantining and so forth. We just haven't talked very much about it because people tend to freak out. So our, our closest friends know, but we have a very good friend um, who is to this day in a hospital bed fighting for his life with the coronavirus. And just prior uh, to him being hospitalized, he had stayed in my home with my brother and I. And uh, we were in obviously very close contact. I, he stayed in our house. I washed the sheets. He sat on our couches, ate, our, ate at our tables, helped make our food. So we, we know for sure that we were exposed. Did we contract it? Maybe. If we did, then we recovered. We don't know. And since we're not showing any symptoms whatsoever, uh, we haven't been tested. We're saving tests for people that need them. But we did follow the, the quarantining procedure because obviously that's wise. Knowing for sure that we were exposed, we did, we did quarantining. And I have to tell you that once it, it seems like such an insignificant number in many ways compared to the number of people that live in the United States. You probably aren't going to know someone unless you live in one of the hot spots that has the coronavirus right now. Or at least, even if you know someone that has it, you, the odds of you knowing someone that dies from it, personally, are exceptionally low. And so, when you don't see it happening around you, when it doesn't affect you personally, it's easy to think that it's, you know, it's, this is all an overreaction, this isn't a big deal, we need to get the economy going again. And for the most part, I tend to lean that direction. But once you know someone who has it, once you've been exposed to it, it really changes your perspective. And I was thinking about that while we were in quarantine. And I've had to, I've had to do things remotely with radio and different things. We've gotten creative just trying to keep everyone uh, updated. So that's why most of you wouldn't have found out until you know, we, we started sharing things about our friend. Uh, earlier this week, once we knew that, well, anyway, that's, anyway, please, please pray for him. His name is Alan, and he is literally fighting for his life. He's on a ventilator, and uh, it's, quite frankly, there has been amazement that he's made it this long, and I'm convinced that it's because so many people are praying for him, so I appreciate <coughs> if you would also pray for him, but once you have that personal connection, it really changes your thought perspective. And that's when I started thinking about the media and the fact that the media is largely based, mainstream media is largely based out of New York City. And these people know people, real people in their lives. And until you know a real person, until you've spent time with that person and then bam, you know, days later they're fighting for their life in the hospital when they seem perfectly healthy and you were hanging out and having a good time just literally hours before it's unreal
and there there comes this moment where you're like, oh my goodness, everybody needs to stay home. Nobody can go anywhere. We can't do anything because this is just going to happen to everybody. And 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 you just like I I get it now. I understand the panic. Okay. But the problem is, when we shut down everything, like, the, the fact remains that people are going to get this disease, people are going to die from this disease, regardless of whether we shut down for a month or two months, three months, four months, or an entire year. Experts think this may be a, this is going to be with us forever. And we had Dr. Fauci just the other day say, well, we shouldn't reopen until there's not one new case of coronavirus. Well, the, that, that will never happen. That will literally never happen. The coronavirus is now here with us, and we will have it all the time, particularly in flu seasons. It's going to be back. Even if we, when we get through it this time, it's going to be back. And I know this all sounds uh, somewhat depressing up to this point, but I'm, I'm getting someplace with this, so, so bear with me. I just think that sometimes we, we uh, if you're anything like me, um, you have a tendency to be like, okay, and and it's it sounds cold hearted, but it's like all right, some people are going to die from this. People die from the flu every year. People die from all kinds of stuff every year, and we never shut down the whole world because of it, right? I mean, uh, over over, um, like a hundred seventy thousand people a year die in accidents and car accidents and and other types of accidents. But we don't stop driving. We don't mandate that people can no longer drive in cars because so many people die in car accidents. 650,000 people a year die from heart disease, but we don't mandate that McDonald's can no longer sell french fries or burgers or anything with grease or anything that we know is bad for you. No, we, we let people make their own decisions. 55,000 people a year in this country die from the flu alone. Well, the flu and pneumonia. That is the same number right now as what we see worldwide for deaths from coronavirus. But we don't shut down the whole world. We don't shut down the country because you could get the flu. But it, it spreads in a very similar fashion. So we have to find the balance. I don't know what the balance is. But looking at this thing, I see two strong forms of thought and I think that they both need to be balanced and I, I have leaned very strongly towards a school of thought that says this really isn't a big deal more people die of the flu every year from this so, than, than do from this and we don't stitch things down for the flu more people die from accidents we don't take cars off the road because people are dying left and right from accidents I mean it's like 90 people a day or something ridiculous that die in car accidents in this country it is a insane number but we don't take cars off the road and so when I, when I look at coronavirus numbers, I say the numbers don't justify the closures. To me, logically, just looking at cold, hard statistics, it doesn't make sense. But now, now that I have a good friend struggling to breathe, struggling for their life, now I see how you can be so far the other direction and say absolutely not everything must shut down. Because you, 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 don't want your, you don't want people to die. You don't want to die, but you don't want your family to die. You don't want your friends to die. And I'm telling you, it can happen so fast. Like, 
It's so there. The media that is telling you this, I I am convinced now, hundred percent. As I was thinking it through, that this is this is just why we have this panic almost in the media is because these people know people. Most of us in this country don't personally know people. Those that live in the heartland where it's not like it is in the northeast you 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 don't see it you don't know people and so, and 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 I agree like the I I think that a national stay at home order is is silly okay Montana Idaho <laughs> places where they're just I mean if it's just a big old farmland probably a national stay at home order is is not ideal we need power to the states but but we need to trust that God has placed people in authority that he wants there for specific reasons. And by the way, if you think that your state officials aren't doing a good job, remember that we vote for those people. And if you're not participating in the electoral process, then you cannot complain about how those people are governing. Which, by the way, you shouldn't be complaining about it anyway. Their job is hard enough right now. Pray for them. Because I don't want to be the one that makes the decision. I don't want to be the one that makes the decision as to whether we, we let people go and work to put our economy back together or, or and, and, and potentially, you know, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of more people die. And I, I also don't want to be the one that says, you know, what, we're going we're gonna to sit on the economy and just let that kind of flounder about. Meanwhile, you know, more people so that more people hopefully don't die, at least not right now. I, that's a decision I can't imagine having to make, and I pray for our president and vice president and our leaders every single day because d- here's the thing with the economy. The unemployment rate is a percentage of unemployed workers in our labor, labor force, okay? Generally speaking, unemployment hovers in, in the United States around 35 to 4.5% even in a healthy economy. The highest rate of U.S. unemployment since it's been tracked was about 25% in 1933 during the Great Depression. After that, um, from 1934 to 1940, unemployment was steady at about 14%. Then it went down to single digits until 1982, where it reached 10%. Then back down to single digits, and then during the Great Recession in 2009, we had unemployment at 10% once again. Lowest unemployment rate ever was 1.2% in 1944. For perspective, last year in this country, unemployment at 3.5%. 2018, 3.9%. 2017, 4.1%. 2016, 4.7%. Every year, that President Trump has been in office, unemployment numbers have gone down. Every year of President Trump in office has lower unemployment numbers than any other year since, I can't even, let me see, 1969. We have lived in a time of great prosperity under this president. And he has literally chosen to put his greatest accomplishment aside for what he believes is the good of our country. His economy is unparalleled in my lifetime. 
And yes, there, there there is a conversation to be made that if we hadn't shut down anything, that people would be affected by by more uh, a death and despair, and so those numbers would have would have moved somewhat, but not to what they are now. In fact, the Fed is estimating that unemployment due to coronavirus will reach thirty two percent, its highest number ever. Forty seven million jobs thought will be lost or frozen during this time. That is beyond Great Depression numbers. And so when Dr. Fauci gets up there and says, well, we can't, we won't open up anything until there, we we shouldn't open anything until there's not one more new case of coronavirus, you're beyond Great Depression at that point. Unemployment levels. So you have to have to look at how do we allow people to work? How do we allow the economy to function and still be safe physically speaking? How do we how do we do this? Again, I don't know the answer, okay? But I'm hopeful that uh, that hydrochloroquine will work and that the combination with the other stuff they do will work. I'm hopeful that we'll find a cure because this is America in the 21st century a cure will be found eventually and or a, a, a vaccine and this will end and things will go back to normal except it might be a, a very different kind of normal and so when you, when you look at this, when you look at the, the numbers and you say, this has to stop, we have to go back to work because of, because of our economy, because of unemployment, it's easy to be fearful in that regard and say, nope, this needs to stop, we need to go back to work. When you look at the people that are being, the real people that are laying in hospital beds, the real families that aren't being able to have funerals for their family members, that aren't being able to visit their family members, that aren't being able to communicate with them, when you when you... When you know someone, it's easy to say, nope, we got to keep everything shut down. This cannot be. And it's easy to be fearful for your friends and your family. So regardless of which side you take, it's easy to become engrossed in that argument, entrenched in that viewpoint, and not be able to see the other. But we have to reach a point where we look at both. Where we look at how we do what is best for our national health in in physical form. But we also have to look at what we do to ensure that we don't hit great recession level numbers. Again, I don't know what that answer is. What I'm trying to point out today is that whether you err on the side of, you know what, people are going to get this, people are going to die, but we can't kill our economy because of it, or whether you err on the side of, look, I've got friends, I've got family, I know that this is bad, I, and we have to stay home for them. Regardless of which side you're on, the bottom line that seems to be driving that viewpoint in, 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 our, in our media and in much of our discussion that I see on social media it seems to be fear. People are afraid. I gotta tell you, I 
I there were a couple days this week that I thought for sure the next update on my friend was that he was not going to be with us anymore and that I pray that isn't still coming but he's still in critical condition and I I don't know where this is going to go. Please again, please pray for him. And when and there were a couple days that it was really incredibly rough. And uh you know, I, I've realized that for the first time during this whole thing that I was l- legitimately um, fearful. Not that, not that, you know what I mean. But I read John 14 that day and it just gave me such a renewed good perspective. Jesus was having a conversation with his disciples, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna read the whole chapter for you because I think this is something we need to hear and we need to think about right now. Because God has not given us, we as believers, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And if we aren't thinking clearly right now, if we aren't willing to see all angles of the discussion. No one's going to. Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way you know. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we don't, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? That was not King James word for word, by the way. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And if you had known me, you had known my Father also, and from henceforth you know him and have seen him. And Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus said, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how say you then, Show us the Father? Believe thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he'll give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not. (coughs) Neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world sees me no more, but you see me, because I live you shall live also. And at that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. 
He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I live with, leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus has given us a peace that passes understanding. The world is not at peace right now. Your unsaved friends, co-workers, neighbors are not at peace right now. Fear, fear underlies everything we do. I was picking up uh, some, some grape juice for what we're going to be doing for, for our communion, which I'm excited about for, for next week. The way our church is doing it, so I, I had to go to the grocery store um, and pick up some grape juice for our church. And as I was ch- uh, checking out, um, a lady was dressed head to toe in a, in a winter snowsuit, um, everything covered, like winter gloves, winter snowsuit. And I got what she was trying to She's trying to protect herself. Um, and her face was all wrapped up. And I, I wasn't anywhere near her. But she was frantically waving in the aisle. Like, we were at least 10 feet apart at this point. And, uh, and she was telling the cashier that I had to move, that I had to get out of the entire lane for her to be able to walk by. And the cashier rolled her eyes and was like, well, and she told the cashier she had to move too. And the cashier was like, you can't tell me to move. This is my spot. And I was like, it's all right, I'll, I'll move so she can go. So I, I walked to the other, walked further away so that she could go through. But it was just a demonstration that people are really afraid right now. But we should not be people living in fear. Because what do we have to fear? Yeah, you know what? The economy might be gone. The economy might be in shambles. We might, we might physically die. We might not be able to buy food in a few weeks. I'm, I'm giving you worst case scenarios, okay? I'm saying... What, what is the ultimate worst thing that can happen? And if you ask anyone in the world, they're going to tell you, well, well we're going to die. But we don't fear death. And not only do we not fear death, but we're God's kids. God will take care of us. And the way God takes care of us tomorrow may not look like the way God took care of us yesterday. It might not. It might be different. We might have to limit the amount of toilet paper that we're using. We might have to be more conscientious about that. We might have to eat more rice and, and, and less red robin. Our, our lives might have to change to a degree in, in the weeks or, or months ahead. Or it might not. It, I'm telling you, we live in the age of technology. This thing could be over as quickly as it starts, and I am praying that it is. But right now, in this moment, we live in a world that is consumed by fear. And we cannot, as Christians, be encouraging or purporting that fear. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't be factual like I was at the beginning of the program, okay? That doesn't mean that we can't acknowledge the problems that exist and say, hey, we've got problems and we need to figure out a way to fix it. There is a difference between operating our daily lives in a state of fear and acknowledging what is happening in the world so that you can be prepared 
as much as possible to deal with the things that might come, right? The prudent man foreseeth the evil and storeth the toilet paper, okay? Um, <laughs> sorry, it's a bad joke at this time. But we are called to represent God on this planet. And I've talked about this the last couple of weeks. I have a feeling we might continue talking about this because it just, this is, if, if you know God, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then you cannot, you must not be living in a state of fear right now. And if you are living in fear, the question you need to ask yourself is, and that doesn't mean you can't, again, this doesn't mean you can't have moments of fear, but you cannot be functioning and living your life and making decisions based on fear. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be. If your heart is functioning out of fear, your treasure is in the wrong place. And you need to take a good look at what your priorities and your focus is. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus told his disciples, go read John 14, I'm telling you, it's a very encouraging passage at this time. It's like, hey, don't, let not your heart be troubled, don't be afraid. I'm, I'm leaving but I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to be with you all the time. And oh, by the way, I'm going to build a bunch of mansions. And, uh, and also, um, I'm giving you peace so that you don't have to be afraid. No matter, no matter what happens, don't be afraid. I'm going to be with you. And everything that happens, all the time, throughout all of history, you believe in me, my spirit will live inside of you and bring you comfort and peace no matter what happens. So, so don't be afraid. Don't live in a state of fear. And that's all the time that I have left for today. I hope you will continue to tune in. Our pastor has some exciting things that he's doing uh, through radio and on social media during this time. Please, please continue to pray that God will give wisdom to our leaders as they as they deal with this situation, both on a local, state, and national level. Pray for, for a just uh, uh, an outpouring of wisdom upon our medical professionals that they would be able to create a cure for this thing. I'm telling you, in, in our day and age, this can end as quickly as it begins. And that's what we need to see happening right now. Pray for, pray for your, your, your friends and family that are being laid off. Okay, there are a lot of people right now. Um, and, and check on those people. See if they need anything. If you, if you have some extra, you know, s check on the people that are, that are laid off that maybe don't have anything extra. And then also, please, I would appreciate it so, so much if you would just, uh, some of you have already, but if you, if you didn't know or weren't aware, um, my friend Alan, he's been in the hospital for, for quite a, some time now, and, uh, it's still in critical condition on a ventilator, and, we need a miracle for him. So please, please pray with us for a miracle for Alan. And we will see you back here, same time, same place, on KVXL 101.1 FM, Experience Liberty Radio, from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas, next week.